Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Indeed, praise the one who breaks the darkness, showing power by driving out demons and healing a fever today in our Gospel reading. What is necessary? There are lots of things that we probably line up as being needs versus wants in our lives. We do that all the time with our budgets and with our calendars, trying to determine what is necessary and then what is just what we want. Well, today in the Gospel lesson, the people where Jesus is ministering in Capernaum in Galilee wanted him to stay with them. He had healed them. He had cast out demons. He had set people free from illnesses. I'd want him to stay near me too, not just for my physical well-being, but also for my spiritual well-being too. But as much as that was what they wanted, Jesus said, it is necessary that I go. He tells them that I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. It is necessary that Christ preach, not just in one place and in one time, but to go to all those towns and places, and then even it is necessary that God's word be proclaimed today to you, here in this town, in this city, valley city. Jesus was sent for this purpose, that his message would be preached and proclaimed, that his word would go forth. Not simply a word of good news that he could cast out demons and heal the sick, but rather that it was necessary for him to go to the cross, to die for our sins, to set us free from all the effects of sin, not just here in time, but hereafter in eternity. That is the word, that is the message that must have been proclaimed there with Jesus and is still proclaimed today to you. In the season of Epiphany, we're looking for times when Jesus manifests his glory, makes his glory known, when he has, when he epiphanies himself to those who are around him. Last week, he was at the synagogue in Nazareth where he read that the Spirit of God was upon him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and the year of the Lord's favor. And what did they do because he had proclaimed these things? They wanted to throw him off a cliff. Many of our pastor friends we were kind of bantering about last week and the week before about, don't take a call to a church positioned on the edge of a cliff. (laughs) Right on the heels of that, Jesus leaves Nazareth and goes to Capernaum in Galilee. And this is going to become his home base during his time of uh, preaching and teaching over the next three years. He goes to Galilee, and he does what any rabbi would do. Goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he preaches and teaches. And his word, they could tell, was different than the words of their run-of-the-mill rabbis. No matter how good a preacher they may have been, when Jesus is there, the word incarnate, proclaiming God's very word, well, 
the point really gets across. They were astonished, for his word possessed authority. And look what happens when Jesus proclaims his word, the powerful and authoritative word of God, when it hits those afflicted by sin, by Satan, and by evil. There was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon there in the midst of them. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The demon knew who Jesus was, knew that he was the Son of God, not just any rabbi. The, Jesus, uh, that, uh, the demon correctly identified who Jesus was. But that's not faith. To know who Jesus is and to trust in Jesus, to look to God to provide all good things, is faith. A intellectual knowledge, a certain set of facts that who Jesus is, even the demons have that. But faith is a gift that you've been given that is quite different. You trust in God, that he has not come to destroy you, but to forgive you. The demon is correct in who Jesus is, and he cannot stand to be in the presence of the authoritative, proclaimed, forgiving, liberating, freeing word of God. Have you come to destroy us? Well, Mr. Demon, yes. The answer is yes. He has come to destroy Satan and his minions and all the power of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. This may seem strange to us that in the middle of Jesus preaching and teaching, a demon would cry out. It's not often we talk about demons, or as St. Paul calls it, that those that, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of darkness and principalities in the heavenly places. That there is truly evil and good in the world. That there are angels and fallen angels battling for the people of God, tempting and liberating. But this is not kind of the, the battle of the light side against the dark side that we see in movies or Star Wars, or something like that. Because we know that it's not two equal forces opposed to one another, never knowing who's going who's to prevail in the end. But rather we know that it is God, who is creator of all things, pit against the fallen creation, fallen angels, deceived angels, and they are defeated by God's authoritative word. We probably haven't talked much about demons or uh, the, the powers of darkness in the church or even in Bible study or things, but the men's group is going to be studying spiritual warfare, demon possession, and the things of, um, of, of Satan and angels and demons and these kinds of things. The, the men's group is going to be studying a book written by a Missouri Synod pastor named Robert Bennett. He was a pastor in Michigan, is now in charge of Luther Academy at the seminary in Fort Wayne. And he began with mission work to Madagascar, the island off of Africa. There's more there than just penguins and, and lemurs and things. It's, uh, there's a lot of Lutherans there, actually. Uh, about twice as many Lutherans in Madagascar as Missouri Synod Lutherans in the United States. Yeah, right, I know, right? And while he was there, he began to see them 
It's very naturally confronting and dealing with demons and the effects of the occult there in Madagascar. And the book that we're going to be studying is actually going to be focusing on the spiritual warfare and demon possession and those things here in the United States. That, yes, there, is the forces, there are the forces of evil working against the children of God, but we shouldn't give Satan too much credit, and we shouldn't give him power where he has none. And so with the word of God, the authoritative word of Jesus, Satan cannot stand. He is cast out at Jesus' rebuke and also in the face of God's word yet today. So, if I've piqued your interest at all, probably men and women, the books will be available next week. They're, they're shipping in. They'll be $13, and we'll be doing a study on that. Kind of an interesting topic. And the topic that we see presented right here this morning in Luke's Gospel. Jesus rebukes the demon, and he comes out. There's no other choice. God has told him what to do and where to go, and he must. That is what the Spirit of the Lord had been put on Jesus to do, to declare freedom for prisoners. Well, later on, when Jesus goes to Simon's house, he meets Peter's mother-in-law. We never hear about Peter's wife, but we hear about his mother-in-law. We know he was married. And Simon Peter's mother-in-law had a high fever, a different effect of sin in this world. Certainly there is sin and temptation that, that would be the forces of evil and, and Satan and demon possession. But here, Simon's mother-in-law is suffering another effect of sin. Illness. We live in a broken world, and so we, as mortals, will become ill. And so they appeal to Jesus on her behalf. Just like we do all the time here in our prayers at St. Paul. We appeal to God on behalf of those who are ill, who are feeling the effects of sin as illnesses. And Jesus shows his power over sickness. He stands over her. And just like he rebuked that demon and it left, Jesus rebukes the fever and it leaves her. Jesus, who has the power over sin in all its presentations, sets her free. He rebukes the fever and it left her. She's not simply amazed at it. She gets up and begins to serve them. Immediately recovered, full and free. Well, what do you think would happen if somebody is set free from an illness, set free from demon possession, and that man is staying in your town? What do you think you would do? I know what I would do. I'd bring everybody who was sick, right? I'd empty out all the nursing homes and all the hospitals, and I'd bring everybody down there, and I'd make sure that they got well again. So it is. When the sun was setting, that is, the Sabbath day is over, they could do work again, and that work included carrying the sick to Jesus. As the sun was setting, they brought him any who were sick, and even the ones with, who were demon-possessed. And you know what? He didn't miss a single one of them. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. There's the abundance of God's love and care for those for whom the Word of God touches and comes in contact with. Not a single one would be missed. He healed them of their dread diseases 
and he also cast out demons with his word. They know who he is. You are the Son of God. But again, they are rebuked. They are silenced. Because Jesus did not come to be a healing sideshow, a, you know, a trick performer to say, you know, cast out demons and make us better, good, now we feel great. Jesus came. What was necessary for Jesus to do was proclaim the good news, was to point to the cross, die and rise again, so that those effects of sin, the, the temptations of the evil one, the effects of illness on our lives, all these different ways that we feel the effects of sin in our life, would all be destroyed on the cross. In the death and resurrection of Jesus, this rebuking of evil that we see in this gospel lesson comes to us, to you and to me. Because the power and the authoritative word of Jesus still comes this day, forgiving sins, cleansing us, setting you free as prisoners to sin, setting you free into the forgiveness that is God's. And of your illnesses, I tell you the truth, they will not come with you in the resurrection. Whatever afflicts you, whatever cancer or treatment or, or ailment that you have in this life, he may heal you here in time, but he will certainly heal you hereafter in eternity. Jesus' authoritative word over sin, seeing him casting out demons and setting Peter's mother-in-law free from her illness, is seen today in you. As you are declared forgiven of all your sins. As you are set free from your shame and your guilt, those, those skeletons in your closet that oppress you and don't want to let you go. With the word of Christ, with the word of forgiveness, you are set free. Those are cast out of your life cast as far as the east is from the west. You don't have to carry them anymore. We rebuke them in Jesus' name and we point to the cross and we know that we are forgiven. And not one of you is missed. Every one of you can be brought here to the waters of holy baptism and claimed as Christ's own. Where our demons are cast out, where our sinful nature is drowned in these waters of holy baptism, and we are claimed by Christ as his own, set free from the powers of Satan. And every one of us is invited here to the Lord's table, where with repentant hearts we can receive the body and blood of Christ, that authoritative word coming to us to eat and drink his very body and blood. And we are set free. Set free from guilt and sin. We are set free from the cares of this world and given to the life of the world to come. That's what's necessary. That's what Jesus must do. As much as we want to keep them and hold them here because this is where we need them, the nice thing is we can share Jesus. We can spread that good news about him. We can spread the liberating word of Jesus. And we're not short any bit of it. There's always enough to go around. Christ is not diminished when he is shared, but rather multiplied. And so the word goes forth to you, and to me, and to the ends of the earth. And we are set free. Set free from sin and guilt and all the effects of sin. And it is again fulfilled in your hearing. For you have heard, you are forgiven. And so it is of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
And the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.